0: Uh, anyway, long story short, you probably followed the news and so uh, neither of those events are unfortunately happening. But uh, anyway, it's still good to be here. So that's really, really cool. Um, And as things change, I mean, this this has just been one year of I mean, nothing normal has happened, right? I mean, it's just been bizarre. And so, of course, we had the Prairie Joe Tour scheduled for April, now rescheduled for November, and now it looks like we'll probably have to reschedule it again. So, anyway, we'll see where that lands, but uh, we'll keep you posted. Be in prayer, if you would, just for wisdom uh, to navigate all these uh, very uh, unfamiliar waters. Um, Thank you for that uh, wonderful singing this morning and great organ playing. I mean, I love... Hearing, you know, the organ play and uh, just so, yeah, well played and well sung, uh, well chosen songs. The George Beverly Shea, the wonder song, the wonder of it all. Um, I was just having devotions up at the camp this morning and and just seeing the beauty of the place and uh, just the wonder of of what God has made and uh, to be able to uh, just enjoy that and uh, enjoy His goodness as well. Um, I want to speak this morning on a rather unusual topic. Uh, The title I've given the message is Taking It All Under, Taking It All Under, uh, a study on baptism. Now, that sermon title was inspired by my roommate, and uh, my roommate uh, attended uh, a certain new life Baptist Church in Stonewall and I guess they were known for their fairly aggressive evangelism door-to-door and so on and so this Story is told it was baptismal Sunday and uh, the pastor noticed this one fellow was in line to be baptized and he had this Bulging wallet on him kind of thing and the pastor said, you know You might want to take your wallet out, it, you know, cuz it's gonna get you know Sopping wet it's a Baptist Church and all and the fellow said oh no pastor I'm taking it all under, kind of thing, you know. So it was kind of part of the whole package. He wasn't going to hold anything back. So I want to speak this morning on the topic of baptism. And uh, it's, it's a little bit of um, uh, perhaps a controversial uh, subject. I'll say that right off the top. And uh, so, uh, you know, I realize this, you know, different churches baptize in different ways. The uh, church I'm a member at has one mode of baptism that they do. We're actually attending a church that has a different mode of baptism. And at that church, unless you're baptized by that mode, you can't uh, be a member, you can't be on the church board and all that stuff. But uh, some of our best friends go to that church. They've been baptized a different way. They can't be on the church board. But, man, I tell you, they're reaching people for Jesus. There's more people that they brought into the church that they brought into the kingdom I think then all the other people that have ba- been baptized by that other mode kind of thing. But anyway, uh, all, suffice that to say it's, it's not necessarily the mode, but the obedience that what this is all about. It's been a dry summer. Uh, those of you that are farmers know that. Apparently it's been even drier in Oklahoma. The Baptists down there in Oklahoma are starting to baptize by sprinkling. <laughs> the, the Mennonites in Oklahoma are, are using wet wipes. Uh, the, <laughs> The, the Presbyterians, they're giving out rain checks. And the Catholics, I don't know if I should say this part, the Catholics are praying for the wine to turn back into water. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, uh, this can be a kind of a divisive, controversial uh, subject. Um, like I said, the church that I'm um, a member at uses a certain mode. I was baptized in a different mode, but that's really not all that important. Um, some of our youth group uh, was baptized uh, in the church camp in the White Shell at Lake Nunamik Baptist Camp, and, uh, and it was in June, and um, the one thing you need to know about being baptized there in June is that the Nunamik Lake is part of the Winnipeg River system, so it's flowing, okay? My brother and I went canoeing on that river, and it was all we could take to get back to the camp. The other thing is that it was June, and the ice was barely off the water. So if you're going to get baptized it, with that particular mode, it's kind of like you have to be pretty serious, you know. Reminds me of this uh, fellow here. Don't worry about the current. We've got some good fishers of men downstream. <laughs> Don't worry about the current. We've got some good fishers of men downstream. So we're going to talk about baptism this morning. And again, uh, I'm not going to, you know, split hairs over the mode kind of thing, but more talk about what Scripture says about our obedience. Um, There are different modes. Everybody's got an opinion on it. Uh, Former comedian Mike Warnke said, How should we baptize? Do we go forward or backward once, twice, or three times? Or do we just hold them under until they really repent? Kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Kind of reminds me of this one. Better take this snorkel. This fella holds you under for a long time, you know? (laughs) Again, uh, if you're not familiar with immersion, that joke won't make any sense. But anyway. um, Back in 2001, most of you know this, but back in 2001, I bought what used to be a little Mennonite chapel just outside of Winnipeg uh, near Lorette. And, uh, you know, it's, it's biblical, right? I mean, David himself said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, so there I was, bought this place. Uh, we've since renovated it, but uh, in the meantime, we kind of we joked around sometimes. If only it had been a Baptist church. could have put some jets there in the baptistry and had ourselves a hot tub, you know. But it was a little Mennonite chapel. They didn't even leave us the pitcher for pouring, you know. So anyway, so we've since renovated it, and it's all good. But this morning, I want to consider this question. Uh, why all the hype about baptism? Why all the hype about bas- baptism? Should we get baptized, and if so, why? So I want to start by looking at history, and in Scripture, the concept of passing through the waters was a very key concept. It showed that something very significant was happening. I mean, pardon the goofy picture of the the ark there and Noah and that kind of thing, but the flood showed God's wrath against sin. And those who entered through the waters, those who were not in the ark, experienced God's judgment. Uh, his judgment against sin. And so passing through the waters meant for them uh, destruction. Uh, and then the uh, crossing of the Red Sea. You remember the nation of Israel was in Egypt. They were slaves, and God used Moses and Aaron to lead them out of Egypt and up to the Red Sea. Well, of course, they got the Red Sea in front of them. The Egyptian armies chasing them from behind. And what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea, and the people pass through the waters on out of the land of slavery so that's a picture of our salvation leaving the land of slavery and passing through salvation uh, to um, what follows and of course what follows uh, at Mount Sinai they got the law And there part of the law was that the priests were given all kinds of uh, very um, intricate details even on hand washing ceremonial washing and so on so passing through the waters very key uh, concept even in the giving of the law After 40 years of wandering in the desert, uh, the children of Israel arrived at the shores of the Jordan River. And in case you've been wondering, why the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the desert? Even back then, men didn't ask for directions, Okay, I don't know if that's true. No, it's not. It was because of their disobedience, right? That's why they wandered. But there they arrive at the Jordan River, and we just saw it on the video. And what do they do? Well, the priests, they've got the uh, Ark of the Covenant. They step into the water, and the waters part, and they walk on through. And they pass on to the promised land. And that, of course, is a picture of entering heaven. And if you listen to Southern Gospel at all, I uh, happen to listen to it from time to time, believe it or not. um, There's a lot of Southern Gospel songs about crossing the Jordan River you know crossing Chile Jordan when I get to the other side of Jordan or getaway Jordan different southern gospel songs talk about that you know passing through death and on into uh, the promised land so so the the idea of passing through the waters is very significant in Scripture and of course baptism uh, fits into that as well baptism shows uh, at least you know with the mode of uh, immersion for example shows a person has left the slavery of sin And is now walking in freedom in Christ we find last time when I was here I was talking about Jesus rejection by his own people the rejection of his townsfolk there in Nazareth and we want to rewind to before that and we find ourselves uh, in Matthew chapter 3 at the baptism of Jesus and notice what John says in John 3 and verse uh, 13 Actually, uh, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? So, a question to ask is, Why did Jesus get baptized? And John was asking the same question Jesus, you know, I need to be baptized by you, how come you're coming to me? You know? Well, scholars have asked this question for years Why did Jesus need to get baptized? He didn't have any sin to repent from. Why was he baptized? So we're going to look at some, uh, some of the scholars, some of the theologians through the years and how they looked at this, and then we're going to look at what Jesus himself said, okay? Because everybody's got an opinion on this. Ignatius of Antioch said, Jesus was baptized to purify the waters of baptism, okay? So that's uh, the viewpoint of Ignatius. Uh, Justin Martyr said that uh, Jesus was baptized to, uh, in his role As the ideal example for everyone he set the pattern for us Uh, other scholars other theologians say Jesus was baptized to connect with John's ministry to say you know what John is doing a valid ministry here an important thing here and it was basically said that John's ministry was valid others say that uh, Jesus was baptized to identify with the race he came to redeem you know the word Emmanuel means God with us Jesus came uh, to uh, identify with the race, with the with mankind. Another option, another idea, says Jesus came to be baptized to establish the course of his own ministry. Philippians two talks about how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. His life was life of obedience, even to the death on to his death on the cross. Another idea says that Jesus was baptized to inaugurate his ministry. It was kind of like his ordination. We talked about this last time, how there at Jesus' baptism, Father, Son, Holy Spirit all came together. Of course, Jesus was being baptized. The Spirit descends from heaven like a dove, and God the Father speaks from heaven, uh, declaring his approval of Jesus. So... All these different viewpoints, all these different opinions. Why did Jesus get baptized? Well, John asks Jesus that exact question, and notice what Jesus says. Jesus says in verse um, uh, 15, Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, you'll look at, look at that, and at least I do, and I go, What? What's that about? (laughs) So you look at some of the other translations, and does anyone's translation present that a little clearer? Verse 15? Anybody? Matthew 3, 15? I looked up the New Living. Maybe someone's got the New Living. Uh, and said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. It should be done, we must carry out all that God requires. Hmm, okay. So all that God requires. Why did God require that Jesus be baptized. Jesus was baptized as an example for us. Now, we get baptized and our baptism looks back. He says, you know what, I am leaving my old life. I have left my life of sin, I've died to myself, and I'm rising from this old life to live in obedience to Christ. Jesus' baptism looked ahead. It foreshadowed his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Jesus, of course, had no sin, but his baptism was a sign that he was going to uh, identify with and absorb our sin. When Jesus was baptized, it foretold the moment when he would unlock sin's chains and set the world free from the shackles of sin. Jesus was baptized as an example for us and and an illustration of what was to come. Then, as we read the scriptures and the stories that follow, Jesus himself baptized. Well, actually, his disciples baptized, and we talked about that last time as well. And then Jesus commanded baptism, right? I mean, think about the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice four things we're commanded to do. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. And then there's the promise that he is with us to the very end. Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be And we're kind of familiar with that first verse, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, but maybe not as familiar with verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now you look at that verse and you go, okay, wait a minute. Does that mean if I'm not baptized, I don't get to go to heaven? I don't think that's the point of the verse because Jesus says whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's the lack of belief, the lack of faith in Jesus that's what condemns a person. But notice verse 16, the first part, whoever believes and is baptized. Those two things go together. Whoever believes and is baptized. It's, it's, a, it's a package deal. One should follow the other. Belief should be followed by baptism. Uh, we find that in Acts chapter 2. Remember the story of Pentecost Sunday. Here's the believers gathered in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing mighty wind and settles his flames on top of them. They all start speaking in different languages, and all these Jews gathered in Jerusalem at the time, they hear the wonderful things of God, each in their own tongue. And they're like, what's going on? What's the deal, you know? And of course, there's mockers that say, hey, these guys have been drinking already, you know? And Peter says, whoa, 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 not at all. This is what, what God's been prophesying for years, you know? And Of course, he preaches a marvelous message many respond and in verse 41 those who gladly received his word were Baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them Notice they didn't say okay They waited for you know a few months when when they could put together a big baptismal service I mean they just kind of grabbed whatever water they could find there in Jerusalem said you know what you've got faith You know all right. Let's let's go on with it Uh, the story goes on in Acts chapter 8 there's Philip, he's heading down the road, and this Ethiopian eunuch comes cruising by in his chariot. And Philip says, Philip sees the guy reading Isaiah. He says, uh, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, How can I unless someone explains it to me? And Philip jumps up on the chariot and they kind of go cruise along. And he explains Jesus from the book of Isaiah. And of course, the Ethiopian eunuch comes to an understanding of faith in Christ. And he says, uh, hey, you know what? Here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? So he commanded the chariot, verse 38, to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. There was belief followed by baptism. And I know growing up, we... um, and perhaps your church I imagine your church was kind of the same it was kind of like you came to faith in Christ and well you had to kind of wait for a while to kind of prove yourself or whatever you kind of you know is it going to stick or whatever you know and so I got saved when I was like eight but I got baptized when I was 17 so so it's kind of like and and maybe there is a part you know that you know to test one's maturity and all that but uh, for those in, in acts at least when they came to faith in Christ it was followed immediately by baptism Acts chapter nine. You remember the story of Saul? There he is breathing out all these threats against the church, and he's going to what? Damascus, and he's going to capture all these people, bring them back to Jerusalem. These Christians, and uh, of course Jesus encounters them on the road and leaves them blind. He kind of finds his way into. Uh, it is Damascus, right? Is that the story? Acts, Acts. I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ananias uh, gets called by God three days later to go to to go to Saul. And, uh, and explain to uh, him the gospel. And in verse uh, 18, immediately there fell from his, as in Saul's eyes, something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and, what? Was baptized. Isn't that interesting? Like he, you know, it's not like they waited till they could get a big thing together, but they just kind of said, you know what? I've come to faith in Christ. I want to respond in baptism. Acts chapter 10, and again, we talked about this last time, how this uh, Cornelius guy in uh, Caesarea was um, uh, searching for God. He's like, God, reveal yourself to me. And God says, you know what? There's a guy down the coast in Joppa by the name of Peter. Call for him. He'll explain it to you. And, of course, there's a whole backstory there where Peter's like, mm, I don't know, going to the Gentiles, you know. Uh, anyway, he goes and uh, explains Jesus to Cornelius And the Holy Spirit falls, and Peter says, Can anyone forbid water that he should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Belief followed by baptism. Acts 16, we find ourselves in Philippi. And there's a lady by the name of Lydia who comes to faith in Christ. And verse 15 says, And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Later on in that same chapter, Paul and Silas are thrown in jail, right? Remember the story? They're praising the Lord there in jail. And I don't know if that was the first jailhouse rock or what, but anyway, there they are praising the Lord, and there's, you know, this earthquake comes, and the, the doors swing open, their chains fall off. And, uh, of course, the jailer thinks, oh, man, I'm doomed, you know, and he's about to kill himself. And I think it was Saul that says, uh, hey, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he comes in trembling in front of them and says, sirs. What must I do to be what? Saved. What must I do to be saved? And what do they say? Anybody know? It starts with a B. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And your whole house can be saved. Your whole, whole household can be saved as well. And so, uh, verse 33, And he took them, as in Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized kind of notice a pattern developing one after another these people came to faith in christ and was followed immediately by baptism and and again this is not how i grew up it was kind of like you you got saved and then some further day you know you got you got baptized and you joined the church and all that you know probably maybe around the year you're going to get married or whatever you got baptized joined the church so you could use the church for free or whatever i don't know (laughs) anyway that wasn't in my notes i don't know how that you know slipped in there anyway Crispus, there's this guy uh, in Corinth, uh, the ruler of the synagogue, he comes to faith in the Lord Jesus, and in verse um, 8, it says, uh, He believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believing, were baptized. One more example, in Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians had heard of John, okay? Remember John the Baptist? They had heard about that, but they hadn't, I guess, heard the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. But, uh, so anyway, the uh, apostles explained the gospel to the Ephesians, and in verse uh, 5, we read, when they heard this, when they heard about Jesus, uh, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, belief, again, followed immediately by baptism, and I don't know if you can read this or not. But uh, what it says, (laughs) in my research at least, and and if you found a different uh, conclusion, I'd gladly talk to you after. But in every account of salvation that I found in the book of Acts, belief in Christ was followed immediately by baptism. In every account that I found in Acts of people coming to Jesus, the immediate response was baptism. And my question to you this morning is, have you experienced Christ have you given your life to Him, and if so, have you been baptized? Have you followed Christ in obedience in that step of baptism? Um, just last year, last June, yeah. This picture is uh, <clears throat> was taken in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Gets me choked up. Um, of uh, Natalie's nephew getting baptized, and, uh, and of course, the whole thing was in French. Now, I don't know if anyone. It's a little small print. I don't even remember the name of the song they were singing. The whole thing was in French. I mean, it's all songs you'd recognize, but everything is in French. So uh, Natalie was uh, doing all the translating for me. But uh, anyway, so there's 16 people from this church, and this church meets in a theater in downtown Sherbrooke, you know, kind kind of the rough end of town, as it were. But uh, anyway, so 16 uh, people were being baptized. So they all had their video testimonies and stuff. It was really slick and all, you know, you know pounding music all between the stuff. And it was, it was a big show kind of thing. Anyway, so this guy gets up, uh, one of the pastors, I guess. And he's just explaining the gospel from John 3 as clear as could be. And like I said, Natalie's interpreting it all because I don't really know any French and stuff. And he's like, you know what? We've got people here that are getting baptized today. But if you, you know, and, and he just led these people in the sinner's prayer, just clear as could be. He said, if, if you've prayed this prayer today, you can be baptized right now. And of course, like I said, a lot was lost in translation, but I'm sure there was at least 24 people that were baptized that day. So I'm assuming the other eight were just people that got saved. These are people that, you know, like, it's kind of a druggy end of town and all that. I mean, they just kind of wandered off the street. Hey, I heard there's a good service. I think they might have been food after, <laughs> something like that, you know, and uh, honorary Mennonites there. No, just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, these people just wandered in, heard about Jesus, And they got baptized, you know, this pastor was like, yeah, we got outfits for everybody and stuff like that. And so it was just just amazing, you know, just God was moving in that place. But is baptism salvation? Do you come, do you get to go to heaven because you were baptized? Well, one example, an obvious one, is the thief on the cross, right? Um, There's Jesus being crucified, the thieves on either side, you know, mocking him. And then the one kind of says, well, you know, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, wow, buddy, if we could have had a baptismal service, you would have made it in, but you're out of luck. No, is that what he says? No. What does he say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Friends, baptism is not salvation. Baptism symbolizes salvation. It's a picture of what has happened in our lives. Water, sim- water baptism symbolizes but does not produce a Christian being born again spiritually. It's just a picture of it. And um, basically, baptism pictures the death to our old self, uh, the burial of the old life, being raised to Christ, being alive in His Spirit, and union with Christ. Basically saying to the world, taking a stand, making a bold declaration that you're choosing Him no matter what the cost. Now, we have baptismal services in North America, and and they're kind of, you know, they just kind of happen, and and they're good and stuff. Like I said, the one at Sherbrooke was, I think, the most amazing one I'd ever been at. But, uh, um, I mean, once in a while, you know, a church will use a swimming pool, so then they'll get some flack. Oh, what are you doing bringing a religious service into our pool, you know, of all things, you know? But for people in other parts of the world, when they publicly express their faith in Christ, they are basically signing a death sentence, okay? Death sentence. Here's a picture of Dr. Patrick, I don't know how to say his last name, but we'll see, it's called Sugdeel. Now, Dr. Sugdeel is a British Anglican canon. And I think basically what that means is that he's a big gun in the Church of England, okay? Um, he's also the institute of the, uh, the director of the Institute for the Study of Islam and Christianity, and is a commentator on jihadist ideology. Dr. Sakito has lectured British and NATO military officers on radical Islam. He says that for Christian converts from Islam, baptism is that pivotal moment in that person's faith when they express publicly their new allegiance to Jesus, their total loyalty to Him, and their willingness to follow Him even unto death. Okay, It's not just a flippant thing. Oh, you know, hey, my buddies are getting baptized. I will you know, for some, it's basically signing a death sentence. For these people, baptism is the point of no return. The decisive break, where they break from their old ways, the, you know, the faith that they grew up with in their families, and it's often at that moment at which real persecution of that convert begins. Okay, it's a very very key thing for someone coming out of the, the Muslim faith, and I know we're told it's a very peaceful religion, but it's a very uh, decisive break in what uh, they, uh, what their life will look like. Baptism is regarded as the point of no return, the decisive break, and often the moment where real persecution begins. B- baptism is an outward sign of inward repentance and salvation. And of course, as we talked about, baptism does not save the person but it's a sign to the world that the person has indeed been saved and is now willing to witness to the fact. This, friends, is why in many Muslim countries, nationals who were saved are not persecuted until they publicly declare their faith in an act of public baptism, which reveals to all that their faith is real. For some, that step of baptism will end in almost certain ways death almost certain death dr sadio goes on to say i was in south in east africa recently and a church leader told me of two young ladies who had left islam for christ and returned to their communities only to be slaughtered by their fathers basically there's an understanding that when someone from that muslim family leaves that faith it's the duty of the father to kill them Friends, baptism, I mean, in our world, like I say, in the Western world, it's kind of like, okay, it's just kind of a, eh, whatever, we'll do it, wah, you know, but to those people in those parts of the world, it's basically saying, you know what, I'm taking a stand for Jesus, this may very well end my life, but I will do it because I choose to follow him. Baptism is making a declaration. It's basically looking Satan square in the eye and saying, I am done with you. I am not going to follow your ways any longer. I'm following Jesus from this point on. And believers often find that it's that point where the devil takes aim at them After taking the step of baptism, of course, you look at Jesus' life, right? Matthew uh, chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. What do we find at the top of verse uh, of uh, chapter 4? The temptation of Jesus, you know? He goes for 40 days into the wilderness where Satan tempts him. If you've been baptized, you've probably noticed that after you took that step of faith, that the devil kind of aimed his guns at you, or you're kind of in his crosshairs, and... uh, you know, you kind of, you're probably in for a bit of a ride. And that certainly happened in my life as well. I was baptized in December of 1984, and it was kind of like after that my world fell apart. I mean, my dad got canned from his job, and we lived uh, on this farm where he was working, and the house was part of the package, so we got kicked out of our house, you know? No job, no house, you know? This is going really well, you know? Our family uh, <clears throat> then moved out of the area to, to a community about half an hour, 40 minutes away. Now, I was three months away from graduating from high school. I'm like, I don't wanna start a new school, you know? And I don't wanna have to commute for half an hour, 40 minutes to school every day. So I ended up staying with families from my church uh, till I could graduate. Well, things got worse. Three weeks before my grad, my we lost my dad. He, uh, for those of you that know the story, tragically uh, ended his life. Uh, just in, in a, just a deep darkness and, and some medical stuff, possibly in the midst of it. But uh, his life uh, ended tragically June 9th of or June 6th of uh, 1984. And it felt like the whole world was collapsing around me. The picture I had in my mind is that I was clinging to the rails of a helicopter kind of thing, and everything around me was just falling away. And it's kind of like that picture of that helicopter was God. He was the only thing that was solid, the only thing that was stable. And even though this was the darkest time in my life, I have never regretted following Christ, never regretted declaring my allegiance to him through baptism. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like I said, you've probably, we've all got our own stories. You may have experienced something similar. Uh, you know, you may take that step of baptism and, and temptations just come flooding at you, right? And times like these are where believers need and can stand together. When those in our lives take that step of obedience and baptism, we need to be there for them, uh, praying for them and supporting them. And I just want to, uh, I mean... Yeah, just thank uh, this church and particularly uh, Vernon and Mary for how they stood with me during a very, very dark time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> if there was one happy moment at my dad's funeral, and there was only one, I don't remember any others. I mean, we had, you know, buried him. I mean, I had bawled my eyes out. It was just whatever. We went back to the church, and we we're having this meal, and they came up and said, hey, Harold, why don't you come out to the farm for a while? And... <clears throat> It was a very, um, yeah, very encouraging time. So as the people in your life get pummeled by the enemy, stand with them uh, through those times. So our family got, uh, you know, certainly pummeled by Satan and uh, his devices, but God was always there, and his people uh, stood beside us during that time. I mean, Satan tried to beat us up and, and destroy us, but praise God, we are victorious in Christ. This morning, I want to challenge you. Have you ever experienced the salvation that Christ offers? Have you ever given your life to him, said, you know what? I am tired of living in the ways of the world. I want to live for Jesus from this point on. Have you ever come to the point of surrendering your life to Christ, receiving the salvation he offers, and choosing to live to please him uh, from this point forward and in just a moment I'm going to be leading us all in a prayer that that you can pray if you've never prayed to invite your, uh, invite Jesus into your life secondly if you have experienced Christ if you have given your life to him have you followed with that step of obedience in baptism in scripture baptism coincides uh, with salvation over and over we read they believed and were baptized If you know Christ but have not been baptized, I would urge you to do so as soon as possible. I mean, what a blessing it would be for Pastor Danny coming back from sabbatical to have his inbox flooded with people saying, hey, I want to get baptized as soon as possible. You're calling up and saying, you know what? When can we schedule my baptism? You know, how cool would that be? Baptism symbolizes what needs to happen in our lives on a daily basis. That dying to ourselves, dying through that old way of life, that is focused on sinning, burying the old way of living, burying our flesh, saying, you know what? I'm not living that way anymore. And then being raised to life in Christ, guided by his spirit, focused on him, and yielded to him, and led by him. Let's pray. And uh, if you've never prayed to invite Jesus into your life, like I said, I want to lead us in a prayer that uh, that you can pray to make that your prayer this morning. I, I invite us all to... Uh, Pray out loud so that if there is someone that that needs to be praying this prayer for the first time, that it won't be uh, awkward or embarrassing. So, So join me as we pray out loud. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And for giving me eternal life. God, I know that I've broken your laws. My sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry. I want to turn from my past sinful life. I want to turn toward you. I believe that your son, Jesus, died for my sins, was buried and then was resurrected from the death the third day. And he is alive forevermore. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it, I'd love to talk to you after. And uh, I'm sure Danny as well would love to, to chat and get you started in that walk of faith. And uh, if there is someone, that, and that's you, or maybe someone that has never taken that you know, step of baptism, I'd uh, love to talk to you afterwards and, uh, and chat more about this. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, and God bless you.